Welcome to We Are Free. I am your host, Becky Morquecho, and you're listening to episode one. This is a podcast about letting go of what we think our lives should look like and the sweet freedom God has for us on the other side of surrender. My guest today is my friend, Caitlin James. And Caitlin and her husband, Michael, own a wedding photography business, but they also, in addition to shooting weddings, they also coach and teach thousands of photographers through their business and courses and online teaching. Uh, Caitlin is a speaker. I've seen her speak. I've been at the same conferences and she is just so inspirational and real and vulnerable. And I'm so grateful that she's here today. She's going to share about the hardest days that she's had in her life so far. Uh, Caitlin and Michael have three babies. Evie is not quite a baby. She's a little bit younger than Vera. And then uh, they have baby Graham, but right in the middle of those two, uh, she became pregnant with baby James and he's no longer with us. Baby James is in heaven and Caitlin shares that story. Um, just what those days looked like, how she dealt with that grief, um, just how she approached it and how God showed up. So I'm so honored that she took the time to share all of this with us, and I can't wait for you to listen in. Here's episode one with Caitlin James. Hi, Caitlin. Welcome to the show. Thank you. This is so fun. I'm so excited. Good, good. Um, Caitlin, if you're in any photography industry or creative industry, you probably know her, and she is so smart and business savvy, but my favorite thing about Caitlin is just how real and honest she is. Um, we live on opposite sides of the country, but the few times that we've been able to see each other in person, uh, I feel like we just get right down to business with hard stuff. We've uh, had a handful of conversations when Jesse and I were waiting um, just to hear about Vera and during our infertility story, I think one of the times, I think the first time we met, we were in Nashville at a hot chicken place. Yes. If that's what you call yes. it. I may be saying it wrong. I don't know. Is that hot chicken? Is that what they call it? I don't, I don't know what it, I don't know what it was. Maybe, was it barbecue? Maybe. I, I think that in Nashville, you call it something. I apologize. We're in California, but, uh, we, Jesse and I were sitting there with you and Michael. And at that point we thought we were adopting from Nicaragua and you guys at that point were talking about having right. a family and, um, yeah, that's just how it started. But then I remember in uh, Phoenix, we saw you um, and it was right before we got the call about Vera. And I was just going through a season of, it was just hard. The waiting was long and it was hard. And I remember standing in the parking lot and you looked at me and you held my hands and you said, I cannot wait to rejoice with you. And like, I have never Aww. forgotten that. And that's why I love Caitlin. That's why I think you guys are going to love Caitlin too, because she's just real and her strength from the Lord is obvious and it's powerful. And that's why I'm so excited to have you here. Um, Caitlin, well, thank can, you. Yeah. Can you first just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Sure. Um, well, first of all, we love you guys and we love um, just getting to be a part of your life the last few years. And, um, my family, so I married my high school sweetheart. And so we've been together since I was 15, which is really cute, but also comes with its own like challenges. <laughs> um, and, uh, so we've almost been married a decade now in 2020, it'll be a decade of marriage, which is crazy. It makes me sound so old. To I say feel that. you. Um, We're 12, 10, 10 years in November too. 
Yeah, it's it is wild. But um, we have two children here on Earth. We have Evie, who is two and a half, um, and she is just so special. She's just a special little girl. I don't. I know I'm her mother, so <laughs> I would think that. But I think she's just very special. Um, and then we have baby Graham, uh, who is uh, four and a half months old, and baby James is our third child. He was our second child that um, we never got to bring home, but he is in heaven and he would have been a little over a year old um, if he had lived. But his story and his life um, is something that we love sharing about because we think it uh, was purposeful and we know it was purposeful. So um, anyway, so we have those three children and those three stories and um we are full-time business owners. So we work together in business. And I actually, when you talk about family, it's not only like Michael and I that are in business together, but we have hired, hired my mom, my sister-in-law and my sister. So it is literally a family affair. Um, but that's what we spend our days. Most of our work weeks are working together. Everyone has a different role in order to make our photography business happen and the photography education business happen. That's so cool. I love how you have that big yeah. family there around a lot. I've been, we've been to your home and having all, everybody's doing something different. Somebody's doing the dishes. Somebody's got the kids. Somebody might be doing a blog post, <laughs> yes. but it's fun to have all those people around. Uh, Caitlin, it is. It really is. So let's talk about baby James. Um, take us back to your 20 week ultrasound when you first found out that something was wrong. What happened that day? Uh, what did that day look like for you guys? Um, well, it was probably the hardest day of my life. Um, and I, I say probably because I'm not really sure there were days, um, in the waiting to lose him afterwards that were just really hard to survive. I mean, and, and I've, you know, I've never experienced anything like it in my life, but the day of the ultrasound, we, we went in, Evie was, um, literally turning a year old six days later. So, um, we were just, this was on February 12th and, we went in, it was an early appointment. It was at seven 45 in the morning. So we took Evie in. My mom was like, I remember my mom saying, are you sure you want to get her up that early? I'm like, no, no, she needs to go. Cause I want to take a recording of her seeing the baby on the screen. And, um, I want to have her there. Like when we potentially find out if it's a boy or a girl, I just want her there. And it's interesting. Cause I look back and I'm like, why was she there? Mm -hmm. Like that just made it harder. Um, but I think she was there because it was a good distraction. We, um, we had the initial scan and the ultrasound tech left the room and said she needed the baby to move a little bit because she couldn't get a good look at one part of the heart. And she was gone for 45 minutes. And I've, you know, Evie was a high risk pregnancy. I've done a million mm -hmm. ultrasounds and I just knew this is not normal. And I, I remember looking at Michael and saying, you don't think something's wrong, do you? And he was like, no, 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 nothing, nothing's wrong. And, um, the nurse came back in, took another scan really quick, like so quick that I was like, did you really just scan? <laughs> I don't think you did. I don't think you scanned anything. Um, and then she left again and said, I'll be right back. And she brought in, um, the high risk doctor who we had never met, who as soon as she walked in the door, we're like, oh no, this is not, this is not good. Something's wrong. And she, I just remember like, I've never felt more like the wind 
had been let out of my sails so drastically Mm -hmm. in that moment. Like we went from being surprised by this pregnancy in the first place, getting so excited, having our little baby girl there to see her sibling on the screen and, oh my gosh, we're going to have another child to like, oh my gosh, how am I going to survive this? Um, she basically said, you know, your, your child's really sick, very sick. And here are all the things that we're concerned about. And the first thing she said was his skull is not shaped properly. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, that can change. That's, that could change. Right. Then she said, and he has a severe heart defect. I'm like, okay, well, we will, we'll have heart surgery. As soon as he's born, we'll have heart surgery. Then she said he has a cystic hygroma, which is swelling on the back of the head and the neck. And that can be a sign that there's a chromosomal disorder. And when she said that, I just started realizing it's too much to fix. I don't think, I don't think we're going to be able to save him. Like this is really bad. It's, it's not just a little problem that we're Mm -hmm. worried about. It is full blown. This is a really, this is going to be a horrible, terrible um, situation. And, uh, and it was, I mean, it was, it went downhill from there. Um, We had an amniocentesis, which is when they stick a needle in, um, through my stomach into the uterus and take sample skin cells from the baby that are floating around in the amniotic fluid, which is crazy. They don't ever touch the baby, which is great, but, um, it's crazy. You watch this on the screen, but that test, uh, came back and said that he had downs and down syndrome was actually, um, you know, it, it actually scared us a little bit because it meant that, you know, babies with down syndrome survive all the time. And, but our baby with down syndrome would not be a high functioning baby with down syndrome. It would be a baby that, um, you know, would be on a feeding tube his whole life. You know, we, we never even saw his stomach. We don't even know if he had one. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he did, but it, it was not formed well. So anyway, all that to say the initial diagnosis, the initial day of, and getting the test very soon after it was just this wave of, we have been thrown a loop. Like this is, this is not what we wanted in life. This is not what our story was supposed to be. Or so we thought. Um, and it left us kind of in a season of, well, where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. Because we can't sit in the struggle forever. We can't just be overtaken with sorrow and lose our life to this tragedy. Like, what do we do? Mm -hmm. So anyway, long, Long explanation, but that's kind of like how, and there's so much more. I could talk about that day for probably two hours, but that's kind of in a nutshell how it felt. Yeah. So what did you do? What did you get? You and Michael walk away. Like, what do we do? Where do we go from here? What did the next days and weeks look like for you? Months. Right. Well, they told us, you know, because of how severe his condition was that he should pass away within four weeks. And so, um, I have, I've realized that when people talk about like, gosh, what do you tell another mom who has a um, terminal diagnosis? I'm like, don't give her a time frame mm-hmm. because I was getting to week three and starting to like have moments where I'm like, I haven't felt him move in three hours. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he's gone. And, and I don't know that, which is so bizarre to have a human being inside of you and you know that he's growing and he's a brand new life, but he's also dying that it's just so bizarre and it's so hard. So we realized I was living every day, freaking out about movements 
and if he's there or not and feeling a sense of sorrow and sadness thinking he's gone, but then he would move mm-hmm. and I'd be over overcome with like, okay, he's still there. I'm sad and I'm happy. Why am I sad? I shouldn't be sad, but I am sad because he's dying. Oh, it was awful. So we actually ended up buying a Doppler machine on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's like 60, 60 bucks. And some people would probably say that's a horrible idea, but for us, it was wonderful. I have another girlfriend every who did time that. I, and she found a lot oh, really? of, yeah. And she's said the same thing. A lot of people think it's sort of weird or you're trying to control, but it just gave her peace of knowing something. Yes, I totally agree. And it also allowed me to like anytime I wondered if he was gone, I would just check and I could just enjoy the rest of the day knowing like, okay, God gave us one more day with him mm-hmm. and that I'm going to, I'm going to love him and, and celebrate his life one more day. Instead of wondering all afternoon, was it today? Is he gone? Like pushing on my stomach and not feeling any response. Like, is he still there? Mm-hmm. So, and it also like we let, we have videos of Evie listening to him and his heartbeat. And, um, it just made him so much more real to everyone besides just me as the mom. And so we got to the four week mark and every week we went in, his symptoms were worse, but his endurance never changed, which to us, you know, we don't have much that we know about him. Um, we never got to watch him grow or change or develop, but we do know from our 11 weeks of, you know, from the 20 week mark to 31 weeks when we lost him, that he was incredibly strong. I mean, doctors, this doctor that we had is amazing. She's done this for 30 years and she just kept saying, honestly, I've never seen a baby survive with his complications. I don't know how Hmm. he's still functioning and he has such a strong heart rate and yet so many things are not going well. Um, And so for us, that was hard because we just wanted him to like let go. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're like, he's still here for a reason. You know, every week that we keep living in this, you know, has got to be purposeful. And so I started sharing, you know, more about this journey and this story and people just started praying for us and Mm -hmm. started just following along. And I honestly, um, I never really understood why people cared so much. Um, until recently, I don't know if you've seen, um, Mm -hmm. Lindsay letters daughter who is, um, she's, she's suffering from a traumatic brain injury and that child has been on my heart every day, every few hours I'm praying for, I'm praying for Lindsay and her husband. I've just never been more burdened by something. And it's, it is totally a Holy spirit thing. And, um, and I thought to myself, this is what people experience with James. Mm -hmm. People were clinging and, and checking my profile to see if there were any updates and like, yes, they were praying for a miracle and the miracle was very different than what we anticipated, but people wanted to be a part of the story. And I realized that, letting people in and allowing people to pray for our baby and for us was not just a gift to us, but it was a gift to others. Mm -hmm. And it, it changed other people's lives. And so for 11 weeks, we went in for ultrasounds every week to check on him because we felt like that was our job as parents. And it was our only time to see him move around and be alive. And so we felt like we need to do this. And our doctor willingly, she's like, I'll do this twice a week if you need to. I couldn't handle that emotionally. So we only did it once a week, but we did that for 11 weeks. And, um, 
yeah, gosh, there's so much that goes into it, but that was kind of the time frame. Yeah. 11 weeks of waiting. Caitlin, was there a time or something that happened or a moment where like your heart shifted from, of course you were, I'm sure it was just like back and forth emotions the whole way, but was there a time where you felt specifically like you felt the Lord or you felt his presence or you felt a turning point or you felt hopeful um, versus like just feeling the tragedy of it? Um, I would say that I felt that every single day, the, the turn that Mm -hmm. you just talked about. And, and it wasn't like I was just making a conscious decision to turn my sadness to joy. It was the Lord sent little, little things. And I've never needed or experienced this in any other season of my life, but I was in a place where I was so low and so in such a dark place Mm -hmm. that I recognized the little joys that I, and the little gifts and blessings in ways that I've never experienced before. Like I would get an email from a woman who had experienced what, what I had experienced. And there was just one line in that email that would make me think, you know what, I'm going to cherish today. I have one more day with my son. I'm going to love him, even though I'm going to lose him. And, um, I would cling to that. And I'd realize the next day, like that email got me through that day, mm-hmm. that email took me away from the tragedy and focus, helped me focus on the purpose of the season. And that would happen every day, just in little tiny ways. And in some ways it was, um, some days it was Evie doing something new that was just adorable. Um, we have pictures of me going to the zoo with Evie and holding her and showing her giraffes. And I'm like holding her on top of James's baby bump. Mm-hmm. And I just, I look back and I think, the zoo day was, that was a good day. I was distracted that whole day and that was a gift. And, um, it was, I've never experienced a season of life where it's truly just day by day survival. And right. that's what that season was. So I don't know if that answered your yeah, question. No, it does. Not, no, but, it totally um, does. It's just shows like how God shows up and how he is there. And no matter how hard or what the circumstances, um, I love that so much that he kept giving you all those little things. So yes, James. So talk to me a little bit about, uh, the delivery. So leading up to that, um, what Mm -hmm. were you thinking? What was on your mind? What had God put on your heart? How, yeah. What did that look like? Right. Oh, well, we, we didn't share this until this year. Um, and I swore when it was happening that I would never let anyone know this, but it's funny how time and being removed from a situation makes you realize that what I was freaking out about is not, it's not that bad. Like it's not something to be shameful about. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people think that baby James passed away, um, like inside of me. And then we went and had a stillbirth, but the truth is he, was alive when I was induced. And that was because my body started showing signs of mirror syndrome. Um, mirror syndrome is when your, um, when the mom's body starts to mirror what the baby's body is doing and his body was filling with fluid. And so, um, he was the most hydropic baby that my doctor had ever seen. Wow. Um, and, and she's done this for decades. So she had warned us, you know, she told us, um, one to beware of mirror syndrome for me and two to prepare ourselves because he was not going to look like a baby. And that is 
so hard to think about because you want to like only have love and joy and, and not have anything that's like kind of scary about mm-hmm. a delivery like this. And you almost feel bad as a mom to be worried about your baby's appearance when mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like, I, of course it doesn't matter, but I've never seen a baby that has, you know, two to three inches of fluid stuck between the cavity of his body and his, the edge, edge of his skin. I've never seen that. And I don't, I didn't want to be upset about it, you know? So Michael and I would Google, um, you know, severely hydropic babies, babies with high drops and the, the, the images are hard to see. Mm -hmm. They're just really hard to look at. And, but we needed to prepare ourselves. So that was one side of leading to delivery. That was very hard. Um, but then the other side was I, I was just very adamant. Um, I couldn't control any of this. The one part that I wanted to control was that I wanted to carry this baby until the Lord took him. Like I just wanted to go into an ultrasound and they confirm, yes, there's no heartbeat. We'll schedule an induction and you will have a stillbirth and then we'll start moving on with life. And I just wanted to be in control of that. And I felt like, um, and I, I talked myself into this situation where I thought, okay, I need this to be the way it is because I don't want him to feel pain. I I don't want to feel like I determined when I lost him. Like I don't want to have to be induced and decide my induction is going to kill him. I know he's going to die in labor. Mm-hmm. I didn't want any of these things. But the truth is I went and I, I was at such a loss. I was at 30 weeks. I was starting to lose my mind mentally. I was just so overwhelmed and, um, very doing things that were just out of character for me. Um, not in like a, not in anything extreme, just my personality was not the same. My, the way that I was showing up with Evie and in life was not the same. I just felt kind of hopeless. And my doctor could tell that I was getting to a point. I had an amazing OB, just amazing. And she knew me enough to know like something has shifted this week. Mm -hmm. And I think you might want to consider induction. So, um, she, we were getting ready to leave and I, I still wanted one more week to think about it. And she said, how about I check you? And I'm like, well, you can check me, but I'm 31 weeks and it's only my second child. And, and, and I, I had to be induced with Evie. I, there's nothing happening down there. <laughs> um, but, and so, but there was, um, I was two centimeters dilated and 80% of face. And so that was a turning point for me because it showed me that my body was, trying to, to Mm -hmm. kind of release this baby. Like this, my body was starting to shut down in some ways because of the fluid and the placenta was abnormal, but also, um, my body just knew it was time even eight weeks early. And so I was induced that Monday. It was a six hour labor. It was very easy. He was breech, which, um, again, now you got to stop me if I'm talking too much because I could talk about this for days. Go ahead. <laughs> um, uh, and you know what it is, is, and if other women listen to this who have similar stories, mm-hmm. they might agree with the fact that this is all I have of him, right? Like his birth story, all the problems. Like when I talk about this, I realize I love talking about it because it's my only part of him that I have to talk about. So uh, he flipped breech at 24 weeks and I was so frustrated because that's why he survived so long. His head was up and his body was down. And so his heart only had to pump blood and keep his upper torso alive. Mm-hmm. And it took a lot of pressure off of his heart. And so that's why he 
kept living so long. But the gift of that is that he, his face, when he flipped, was pressed up against the placenta and he spent weeks like that and he wasn't moving much. So he just spent weeks of his last weeks of life with his face up against the placenta and it pushed all of the fluid away from his facial features, which meant that when he was born, we got to see his face. And like, beautiful. that is, I always, I always cry when I think about it, but that is like such a gift. It, it is the greatest gift that we could have been given. Like we sure he was swollen and sure, like we'll never truly know what his eyes look like or what his face would look like without fluid. But we got to see his face and we were told that we wouldn't even be able to see where his nose was. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was a miracle to me. Um, so labor was quick and, and when he was born, um, and, and I don't want this to be too much for people to hear, but for us, it was such a red, redemptive moment because he was in the final stages of dying when we held him. And he hiccuped once and then he was gone. And the nurse looked at me and she's like, I think you can pretty much assume that he died in his mom's arms. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. And that was like, I didn't think that I needed that. And I I didn't want that outcome. I didn't want that delivery story. And, but I realized the Lord knew that I needed it. And Mm -hmm. he knew that I needed to have a baby that, um, he was so photogenic. It sounds funny, but (laughs) he it was easy to take pictures with him and because he hadn't been gone for two or three days. And, um, that's a gift that God knew, you know, he's like, Caitlin, I know you, you're a photographer, you (laughs) love images and like, just trust me with this, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, we'd even had family members who had said, I, you know, I want to be there at the hospital, but I don't know if I I want to see him. I think I want to just love him with the picture I have in my head of him, Mm -hmm. which I respected, but because he, did have so much fluid moved away from his face. I didn't even think, I just told everyone like you all need to come back and you need to hold him and you need to meet him. And I'm so glad everyone did. And it wasn't this hard thing that I thought it would be. It was actually, believe it or not, it was joyful, Mm -hmm. which is a miracle. That's a miracle. How in the world is that (laughs) joyful? But that, that was the Lord's grace. And it was actually, when you, when you wait three months, for your baby to not be suffering and for you to not be carrying around a baby that's struggling. Right. Um, it, it is joyful the day you finally get to meet him. It's such a beautiful so. story. I love hearing you tell that. I've read pieces of that, but just hearing you say it is, it's just beautiful. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So after James, uh, you sort of quickly ish became pregnant with number three. Um, tell me a little bit about, um, just finding out that you were pregnant. Of course, like it's a gift you're, you know, but tell me a little bit about any challenges or fears after experiencing all that you did with James and like 11 weeks of waiting for him to pass and then becoming pregnant again. Like what was on your heart, like in the realest, rawest moments of, of finding that out? Um, well, I will admit that we were trying, which is so crazy that we would even, why would we do that to ourselves? But in my mind, you know, I think there are some women that need years of a break to, to grieve and let their body recover. And then I think there are some women who are like, I, I don't need another baby to fill the void Mm -hmm. because I know I can't fill that void. 
but I, I want to hold a baby because I, I went through all of this and I brought nothing home. Like I, mm-hmm. I, my body went through so much. Um, and we always wanted Evie to have a sibling close in age. And we had one month where we wouldn't have to wait like four months because of wedding season of the next year. So we just had one month and I had a cycle two weeks after having him, which is so bizarre. And, um, but I was thankful for, and Mm -hmm. the doctor had said, you know, at the absolute earliest, you need to have three or four cycles at the, at the earliest, like they didn't really want me to get pregnant again, but they're like, if you want to, that's what you need to wait. Mm -hmm. And this was the third cycle. And I, we're like, you know what? The Lord creates babies and we will just see what happens and we're going to trust the outcome. And oh my gosh, I, he gave us baby Graham. And I, I remember, this is probably TMI, That's but right. I remember just knowing, like, I just knew mm-hmm. that I was pregnant immediately. And, um, uh, I wept, like, I just, I'm like, I, I remember telling Michael, like, I think God's going to redeem our story. Like, I think that this is it. And, um, it was hard. It was so hard to go to another ultrasound for a brand new baby after what we just lived through. I mean, I did remember thinking, what have we done? <laughs> like, this is going to be the longest nine months of my life. And up until that point, I had never had an easy pregnancy. Evie's pregnancy, I had a rare one in a million tumor that almost took away half of my hand. I had emergency surgery. I had gestational diabetes. She was a massive baby. I was (laughs) told I could never deliver her vaginally. (laughs) Yeah, she was huge. Uh, So I just really started trusting, like if the Lord had a purpose for the baby that died, if the Lord purposefully made James in our story for a reason, and he used that, that, that doesn't end with him. There's right. a reason for Graham, like Graham's life was purposeful as well. And I just clung to that. Every time I would start to freak out about something, I would just cling to that. And it was my easy pregnancy. I never thought I'd have one. Honestly, I thought I was destined to always have medical issues, um, with pregnancies and scary pregnancies, mm-hmm. but Graham, it's, it's like my body was like, oh, here we here we go again. We know how to do it this time. And um, third time's a charm. I'm so grateful. Third time's a charm. <laughs> yeah. So definitely a lot of fear, mm-hmm. but also a lot of trust. Um, I think we we lived that nine months on edge a lot. The moment he was born was just, I just can't even describe how what that felt like. Yeah, you know, with, with Evie, it was amazing first baby, but with him, after you hold a baby that wasn't living, I, I just can't describe how amazing that felt and, um, how I cherished, I just have this appreciation for healthy babies. I, that I will never, ever lose. I don't think, because I just know the other side of it. Yeah. So of course there's like beauty and goodness and new babies and having Graham in your life. But is there anything like what things have you seen since James and now having Graham? Um, how has God like in little or big things redeemed? How has he redeemed things for you? What is the day to day? How, what are the connections you're like, Oh, that make you think of James because of Graham or 
Any, mm-hmm. in anybody else's life, not just your guys's, but like in any of your friends or any stories that you've heard, like how have you sure. seen God's goodness uh, because of what you went through? Sure. Um, oh, they're, they're <laughs> endless. Um, I, I think we have so many friends who um, are pregnant now, who have had babies since James, who have just wept with me and have said like, I just, his life made me realize how much of a miracle my child's life is more so than if I had never known James or never known his story. Um, it's, it's just unbelievable that babies are born and things are not constantly terminally like wrong. Mm-hmm. I, that it just blows my mind. Um, I, I think something that is sweet about our life now is, um, we, and some people might think that this is not good, but for us, we kind of love it. We accidentally call Graham baby James all the time. And I don't, it does not bother me. Yeah. Um, in some ways it just reminds me that we talked about James so much that even though this new little boy is here, we, we still sometimes get their names mixed up. Yeah. And, um, and I hope we get that straightened out before Graham. I don't want Graham to have like a complex, like, right. oh my gosh, my family is confusing me with my brother that's not here. Like, I don't think that will be a problem. But in this early season with him, um, you know, I just, I will hold him and I cry some nights just holding him and rocking him. Oh, it just makes me tear up. Mm. Um, I just like holding on to him and thinking like, I I've held another baby boy and he wasn't breathing and he was cold and we had to let someone take his body away from us. And now I have a baby in a nursery in our home and he's living and he's, you know, he's crying in the middle of the night, but I don't even care. Um, There's just, it's this, this new perspective of like such a gift. He's such a gift to me. And, um, So I think the Lord has also shown us how to relinquish our child's lives, both of our children's lives to him. Um, As I've watched Lindsay Letter's daughter struggle through this brain injury this past week, I'm just constantly reminded like Evie and Graham and James, they were never ours to begin with. Mm -hmm. Like I cannot imagine something like that happening to my daughter. But I also know that like the Lord has a plan for my daughter and my son's life that I have no idea what it will be. And like, if I truly trust the Lord, like I did with James's life, I've got to trust him with my two kids here on earth. Mm -hmm. I can't protect them from the world. Um, and and that's something that I hope will make me a better parent in the long run. Uh, so gosh, there's so many other things. I mean, uh, the, the conversations, the closeness, the bonds that we have within our families because of James's life are incredible. I, there's so much that he has left behind that, you know, I just, I'm kind of, I marvel at because I didn't even realize that they were gifts until recently, but, um, yeah, he, he has made an impact and our family will never, I mean, I'm a better mom and mm-hmm. I'm a better parent to his siblings because he existed. Right. Um, and it's really sweet now because Evie is old enough to understand a little bit more mm-hmm. and she will, um, she'll walk around and say like, she'll say things like, 
mama, you got another baby in there? And I'm like, no, 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 there's no baby in there. And and I could choose to be upset about that, right. you know, 20 pounds heavier, like, or, um, you know, I could choose to realize her, what she says next is just the greatest gift. She'll say, she'll say, oh, well, I, baby Abby was in there. And I said, yeah, mm-hmm. she'll say, and baby, baby Graham was in there. And I say he was, but he's not anymore. And then she says, baby James was in there, but now he's in heaven. Oh. And I'm like, yes, she just, yeah. she's grasping it. Um, which is sad, but also so beautiful. It is beautiful. So, That's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe let's see here before you got pregnant with Evie. So we're talking like three years ago. If you were to look at three years ago, Caitlin, and say, say anything to yourself, to give yourself some encouragement, let's say any other women are dealing with um, just a fatal diagnosis or stillbirth or miscarriage or infertility or anything, or just not a big thing either, but just struggling in some way, like what have you gained? What do you think God has done to your heart? How has he transformed you? What advice could you give to three years ago, Caitlin? Caitlin. Hmm. Oh gosh. Well, three years ago, Caitlin was, that version of me was a workaholic who was obsessed with her business because it was thriving and my identity was in that. And I was terrified to be a mom, Mm -hmm. but my husband, husband, Michael just really wanted kids. And so I almost like just kind of thought, okay, I'm just, I'm going to figure this out, but I'm terrified. And so the first thing I would say is that you are going to be transformed. Like you are going to, something huge is going to happen in your life. And you're not even going to recognize yourself some days, the amount of love you have for this baby. Um, it's just going to change you in the best way. And I would also tell myself three years ago, um, that Michael, and I are going to be in the best season of marriage. Well, I'd, I'd look back and say the season of marriage that we were in three years ago, you're actually, you were in a horrible spell. You don't realize how bad it is, but your marriage is not in a good place. You're not healthy. Your work-life balance is not healthy. Um, but just wait because you're going to have beautiful children and you're going to have a really hard story and you're going to have struggles, but it is going to give you the marriage that you ultimately wanted Mm. through the pain. And you're going to be a mom that you never thought you could be because of the pain. And I, you need to trust the Lord in a way that you've never had to trust him before. Um, I would tell her all of those things. And I don't know if three years, three years ago, Caitlin would ever believe those things because I'm so stubborn, Mm -hmm. but I do think back, uh, I look at journal entries three years ago and I'm like, why was I so worried about this stuff? This stuff does not matter. It just doesn't matter. But then I realized like valleys are valleys. We've, I've talked about this at conferences before, like, um, the struggles that I felt three years ago, they were still struggles. They were very real to me. Um, and the struggles that I've faced in the last 18 months are a little deeper valleys in some ways, but they're still valleys. So I, um, I think that's my encouragement to other women is that, you know, we all have pain and it's in different sh- way, shapes and forms, but, um, but the Lord's been faithful, even in the worst season of my entire life, like a mom's worst nightmare like that. I have a story that no one wants, like mm-hmm. no one would look at me and say, I want what she had to go through. Like no one would say that it's, it was horrible, but yet I'm on the other side of it. And 
I survived. And I can actually say that if someone, this is crazy, but if someone said, if you had the option of rewinding your life Mm -hmm. and going through that, knowing what you know on the other side of it, would you do it again? And I would. I, that, isn't that crazy to say it I is, would redo it, again. but it just shows like how powerful the Lord is and what he's done. Like it's that telling. Yes, it is. I mean, I just am scared to think like, I don't want to backtrack and, and lose all the growth that I've experienced because of James. Right. That would be such a loss to me. Um, so I don't, I don't think that I would choose to do the easy route because I know And that's kind of a life lesson. Like, you know, I, the hardest thing in my life produced the greatest transformation in my life. Right. And I think that goes, you know, if I work, work out every day, super hardcore, I'm going to see a transformation. I'm just not as willing to do that as as other things. One thing at a time. Yeah. One thing at a time. Caitlin, what do you feel uh, God has set you free from like in your life? now on a daily basis in the big picture, what have you been set free from? I have been set free from control in my life. Um, I honestly think that is such a, like, it is the exact opposite of freedom, but yet you feel like you have freedom when you're in control or like when you're controlling something, you just feel like, you know, I've got this, like, it's going to allow me to relax if I just control it. And that is so far from the truth. Um, I've realized, you know, when you get a diagnosis, like we had, it just makes you realize like, there's literally nothing that I did to cause this chromosomal. It, as soon as like sperm and egg came together, James was who he was Mm -hmm. like, those cells divided in a way that like, you cannot reverse it. There's nothing you can do. And I didn't make it happen. And Michael didn't make it happen. It just was the Lord's story. And when that kind of thing happens to you, you just realize like, I can't live in fear because I can't change any of this stuff. I just, I can't, I can't will myself or control anything enough to get a different outcome. And that has overflowed into other areas of my life. Evie is going to preschool in like five days and I'm terrified. I'll pray for you. That's been our reality lately. (sighs) Yes, it is hard. Um, And I don't want to let her go Mm because I think it feels like the beginning of the end. Mm -hmm. I know it's very dramatic, Mm -mm. but um, I don't want to trust someone else with her for multiple hours every week. But I know that control doesn't allow me to live in freedom. And I love living in freedom because when I live in freedom, I am a better wife I'm a better friend. I'm a better mom. Like living under the the shackles of control is what I spent most of my life living like. And mm-hmm. the baby I lost taught me that that was that was no way to live. So that that is how I've been set free. I think in the biggest way. Yeah, Caitlin, thank you so much for just sharing everything and being so real and open. And I know that other women are well, going to be encouraged, whether they're going through something similar or not. I think it's just an encouragement and such a great reminder and perspective of who God is and how he works in our lives in the big and little things. Um, If there, somebody's not already following you, where can we find you and keep up with your uh, sweet family? 
Uh, I would say Instagram is the easiest way. So it's just at Caitlin James. Um, photographers can find resources there. Moms with terminal diagnosis can find, um, you know, resources there. It's just a good place to be. So it is. Um, Instagram's great. I, I will warn you, I am not this perfectly curated feed. Like our Insta story, if my child does something hilarious, I post it. I don't care what, like, type of marketing I should be doing. I just love sharing our family. So it's not the most curated thing in the world, but I love it that way. Um, and I think the Lord is using our family and our story just the way that we are. And, um, but I'd love to have, you know, anybody connect with us that way, but that is probably the easiest way to find us. Awesome. Thank you, Caitlin. You're so welcome.